Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Here's a question for my listeners. How concerned do you think U.S. investors are about how the companies they invest in behave? Global Asset Manager Schroeders has released the findings of its annual investor study, which found that U.S. investors, particularly millennials, are concerned with how the companies they invest in behave and believe investors have a role to play in solving the world's problems. In fact, 60% of the survey respondents said that investment managers and major shareholders should be responsible for mitigating climate change. On today's program, we're going to discuss the findings for the study. My guest is Sarah Bratton-Hughes, Global Head of Sustainability Solutions at Schroeder's. Hello, Sarah, and welcome back to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hi, Paul. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me again. Yes, thanks again for joining us. Sarah was my guest in episode 110 of the podcast when we discussed Schroeder's completion of ESG integration across all the firm's investments in 2020. That was a significant accomplishment for an asset manager with almost $700 billion in assets under management. Today, I want to discuss the shift in U.S. investor sentiment about who is responsible for climate change mitigation and a couple of other topics. Sarah, tell us how you think consumer preferences will shape investment decisions and company performance related to climate change going forward. Well, I think we're really at the beginning innings of a paradigm shift. And we really saw a behavioral shift actually last year in our survey, where for the first time, instead of being concerned on um, losing out on return for investing sustainably, actually most Americans thought if they didn't invest sustainably, that would uh, cost them returns over time. What we saw this year in our 2021 survey was just an expansion and a growth upon that theme, where we are seeing U.S. investors much more likely to view sustainability as a driver of returns than their global peers. So the conversation in the U.S. has truly shifted from values to value creation. Terrific. So let's talk about another topic covered in the study. What do American investors say about holding bad corporate actors accountable through divestment? Actually, Paul, I'm glad you asked this one early. This was one of the most interesting findings to me in the whole study because traditionally divestment has been a very dirty word um, in the U.S. construct. But what we saw this year is that actually more so than their global peers, Americans were more likely to consider divesting or taking action um, against companies, particularly those that had corporate scandals. Um, and if you really peeled back the onion and dug into the data, uh, much of that was focused around the employee and the treatment of the employee as well, actually much more than on the environmental side compared to global peers. So there were some interesting threads that continue to come through from a U.S. perspective where the U.S. investor cares 
um, as much or if not more about human capital management and the social issues um, as they do from the climate perspective. But I found it very interesting. Uh, one of the most interesting findings of the whole study is that the Americans were more likely to cite that they would withdraw funds uh, post a, a scandal. So definitely something I'm watching very closely. Have we had a shift in, in mindset over here or is this just a one-time thing? Well, that's a that's a really interesting perspective to explore a little bit more because, of course, during the period of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of media focus in the U.S. and elsewhere around the world on shareholder engagement related to the treatment of company workforces around the world. So... Do you think that U.S. investors are still as concerned about that as they are about returns and performance? Yes. And what we've seen from um, not just our global investor study, but some other studies that um, have been done out there is actually um, not only are these the behaviors that Americans care the most about, they actually think that these are the behaviors that are most likely to drive return. Mm -hmm. I actually don't think it's that surprising given the environment we've been in here from a U.S. construct where we've had national labor shortages, we've had supply chain shortages, we've had protests around diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we're in this environment where every day in our lives, we're seeing social issues and understanding and tying that back, that driver back from a financial returns perspective is very, very interesting. Um, I know we've talked about the concept of quality jobs before. It's a, it's a concept I'm truly um, interested in and passionate about. And essentially that's treating your employees like an asset rather than a liability. And over time, that leads to greater engagement greater sales, greater profitability, lower safety incidents. And I think we're really starting to see an inflection point in the market where investors are valuing it. They're valuing um, employees as we're seeing essentially human capital management becoming the ultimate scarce resource. So global as a global asset manager, Schroeder's runs money for investors all over the world. What are you hearing from people in other parts of the world as an, as your investor clients about these same kinds of issues? Because that's a pretty big shift here in the U.S. that we're undergoing. Yeah, so I think from a global perspective, right, climate grabs the headlines. Um, and it's grabbing the headlines in many countries. When you just see this massive inflection of policy that we've had, this explosion over the last two years, much of that has been um, climate policy or climate regulation that has come in, whether it's uh, the EU taxonomy that is very, very much focused on climate and just starting to focus on human capital management, whether it's the consultations you've seen from Hong Kong, Singapore, here in the US, the initial SEC 
um, consultation was focused on climate change disclosures. Our, our many people sort of missed our neighbors to the north here have one of the most ambitious carbon pricing schemes. I think it's $175 a ton by 2030. And then you have net zero commitments on a global basis coming out from all over the world, from both institutional investors and even governments. And you've seen what's happened out to the east where you've had Japan, South Korea, China, all with net zero commitments. Now, ambition doesn't necessarily equal action, but it is moving capital in the market, particularly as we're seeing policy bolster many of these, the likelihood for increasing carbon pricing. So you're seeing this very much a focus from the rest of the world perspective. However, I think, you know, I, I think about my journey in sustainable investing it has been for a long time, even prior to COVID, prior to the inequality protests in 2020, that the U.S. investor has been focused on human capital management and diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, I used to go back and I would have a peer in the, the U.K. who would service our European clients. And they would say, what is Schroeder's as a firm doing about climate change? Paul, I never got one question on what we were doing as a firm about climate change. But I always got questions on what we were doing as a firm on diversity, equity, inclusion here from the largest US institutional investors. And I think as that continues to tie back to value creation, and we're in this environment where everywhere we go as Americans, there's help wanted signs, there's labor shortages, there's these, we're seeing supply chain shortages. Um, I think that that is only going to be increasing and playing up uh, from, a, from a U.S. Uh, perspective, these issues in the minds of shareholders over here. Hmm. So I think the main difference is sort of policy first headlines. Got it. Now, policy is more and more of a determining factor for investors in the EU all the time because of the taxonomy that's being built out uh, literally through the legal infrastructure there. And we talked about this in our last conversation a little bit as well. It's now the case as these EU regulations go into effect gradually that any asset manager with, I think you said it was more than 500 employees uh, is and wants to do business in EU economies is going to be subject to the EU regulations, not to their own country reg regulations. And there's been a lot of upset, I know, among uh, U.S. asset managers. Are you aware of that being the case uh, with asset managers, for example, let's, let's say in Asia, like in China or in Japan related to these same issues? Yeah, I think I think from the, the policy perspective is that you have a lot of different consultations going on from a global perspective. Yes, the EU has been the leader, but I think actually a lot of um, different countries now are looking to the EU to say what went right and what went wrong. Um, mm -hmm. How can we improve outcomes and really be focused on achieving those more sustainable outcomes? So, um you know, I think as long as we're in an environment, uh, you know, asset managers have to deal with different, global asset managers have to deal with different regulatory regimes um, for all different aspects of it. 
I think where it was becoming very difficult is when we had what some would consider opposite regulatory regimes um, here in the U.S. versus what was going on in the EU. So that made it much more complex for asset managers when they were thinking about sustainability from a holistic total portfolio and influence level. I think what you're seeing now is a lot of consultations, a lot of the different governments going to the market and looking to see what went right in terms of policy in Europe and where are the areas that could be improved, right? Um, And I think that it's going to be something that's going to evolve over time. Okay. Now, Sarah, in this study this year, uh, my impression is that millennials are making a much stronger push to hear have their voices heard as part of the investor community and could you give us a little bit of the da- a couple of the data points that reflect that uh, among the US investment uh, group or the US study responders yeah so we're continuing to see an uptick in um, millennials and it's continuing to see millennials lead the way but i want to caution that they are by no means the only group Um, leading the way at all. We have seen um, substantial growth in demand or desire and demand for sustainable investments from Gen X. So you couple Gen X with the millennial generation, that is by far the majority of your working age income producing population here um, right now in the US. But you've really seen this massive expansion beyond just the millennials, even though the millennials continue to lead the way when it comes to um, sustainable investing. But interestingly, what we found is that millennials are becoming more return conscious. Um, So wanting to ensure, and it makes sense, right? They're all growing up. Um, I've I've seen great things. I myself is, I, I am termed a geriatric millennial. Um, and millennial is often used for a term of young people. I say I'm in my mid thirties with a first grader. So I'm not quite so sure what's so young about that anymore. Um, so I think that you're continuing to see this expansion, um, and you're seeing this growth of the millennial population that really cares, um, about two things how much money they make and how that how they make their money. Um, and it's really that combination of two and that expansion. And you've, you've seen it move on to um, Gen X, which is the generation prior to the millennial cohort. And you are continuing to see demand here grow. You know, there's a lot of talk about sort of this great transition of wealth between the baby boomers to the millennials. Um, But there is another transition that's going to happen first. um, And that's where money is going to be in controlling hands of women. Um, We just happen to live longer. Uh, The data doesn't lie. Sorry, Paul. Um, And you talk about another demographic that's really concerned about their impact on their world. They are concerned about how much money they make, but they are also concerned about how they make that money. Um, And I think we're actually going to see that impact of that transition hit the market much sooner than we will see this great transformation of wealth between the baby boomers and the, to the millennial, Gen X and millennials. 
Well, it's an area I don't think people talk enough about, to be honest with you, when it comes to sustainable investing. Well, I, I, I completely agree with you because, of course, the, the data, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the age ranges and the mortality levels and, and time frames don't ever change or they change minutely, but they certainly favor the majority of this wealth, at least in that interim transition being in the hands of women uh, for perhaps for, you know, maybe a couple of decades in some cases, right, mm -hmm. before it transitions on to the next generation. And there's no question that women are more uh, aware of these issues. They make an effort to be more aware of them on an ongoing basis related to sustainability. And uh, I just spent a few hours over the weekend with my sister who was visiting her two millennial daughters who are living in New York City now. And our conversation was much different than if we had been talking to her son, who's a, a surfer guy out on the West Coast. Now, he's an environmentalist from the get-go, but the social issues don't uh, interest him nearly as much as they do his sister. So uh, I'm in complete agreement with you about that. <laughs> so let's talk now about the question that you've heard me ask a uh, hundred times before when whenever whenever I get the opportunity and that is what is it with advisors in the United States related to their hesitancy to even raise the question about the potential for ESG investing 68% of investors in 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 your recent Schroeder study say that they would react positively to additional investments in sustainable funds if recommended by their financial advisor. Why then, and this is the question, do 44% of advisors, according to a separate Cerulli survey that came out recently, say that they're waiting for their clients to raise the topic of ESG investment integration before they will discuss it. What's that all about? Education, education, education. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> right? It's a, it's a chicken and egg situation. And when advisors really feel um, that they are going to have to proactively educate themselves on sustainability, and it's intimidating, Paul. Uh, you and I have been in it for a long time now. The acronyms, the uh, science, the spectrum of solutions, the, I think, lack of uh, guardrails on what is considered a sustainable product versus a non-sustainable product. I think there's a lot in terms of explanation. Um, and a lot of simplification that we can do as an industry to make this um, more adaptable for advisors and buyers alike. Mm. Um, but I think education continues to be the largest gap in so the market. And people don't tend to, you know, people behave how they're incentivized. If they were incentivized or felt incentivized to go out there and get that education, i.e. they had all of these clients asking them and continuing to ask them and pester them, um, they would go out and do it. And I think we're just in this flux sort of chicken and egg situation right now 
Um, but I can tell you, we just talked about this massive generational transfer of wealth. Um, I think I've seen studies that have shown that actually a woman are more likely to change their financial advisor than if it was passed intergenerationally. Um, that I think it would be a really prudent for many advisors to go out there and really start educating themselves on the spectrum of sustainability and the options that are out there to really help meet your client's needs at no sacrificial return. Right. Yes, well, as a, as a former advisor for 23 years, once again, I'm in complete agreement with your perspective that that's really that's really at the core of the whole uh, issue is the education and the and the acronyms and all of that kind of stuff. And I was wondering if uh, Schroeder's has come up with any algorithms for acronyms yet to simplify the process for advisors. <laughs> I wish I, I, I do empathize with with most people because every day there's a new acronym and I'm like, what is this one? Um, so I do think as an industry, uh, we can do a little bit better with our acronyms and naming conventions to make it, uh, more, more mainstream for the everyday person. Well, good, because I know that advisors, uh, I've, many of the advi advisors that I talk to and meet with are uh, sincerely interested in learning more about ESG. They just, uh, as you said, if they get a little more demand from the client side and they understand that, that these wealth transfers are going to take place within the, the time of their um, practice being in their hands and, and their career, then uh, they will hopefully take the opportunity to, to find more ways to get educated. And, and there's a handful of us out here already promoting that, as you know, within the industry pretty well. So, so Sarah, that's about all we have time for today. Um, I'm, I'm very glad to speak with you again. And if you could, please tell our listeners how they can contact you about the study and what we've discussed in today's program and what links or sites can they visit online to learn more about Schroeder's investment policy strategies. Yes, the best site to reach us at is www.schroeders.com. Um, within there, you can see our entire commitment to sustainability, our insights and articles around sustainability, uh, podcasts such as this, as well as upcoming events. That is the best uh, site to go through to for all things sustainability at Schroeder's. And please feel free um, to click that contact us bucket. Um, and I am also uh, available via LinkedIn. So happy to connect with you all as well. Great. Well, thanks very much, Sarah Bratton-Hughes, Global Head of Sustainability Solutions at Schroeder's. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast.